Let's fix the NHS. How do we do it? How do you fix the NHS? Isn't that like how long is a piece of string? This rather long blog is in three parts and details the biggest issues in the NHS and how to fix them in easy language that even an NHS senior manager or a health minister would not fail to understand. What about the NHS needing more money? What about the staff? What about more doctors and nurses? What about pay? Fear not, all is addressed. Actually, it wouldn't be that difficult at the highest level. Shall we all walk through it together? Part 1 Organization, Management and Staffing The NHS is a mishmash of trusts, agencies and authorities and no one has any idea how they are organized or structured. You cannot find an organization chart for the entire organization anywhere. The chief executive of NHS England reputedly does not even have one or know the structure. One contact of mine who has extensive experience with this says to me you can look at it two ways, either you take the view that there is not one NHS, but that every part of the NHS, NHS England, NHS Business Services Authority, NHS Fraud Agency, every surgery at every different NHS hospital trust, are each singular different NHSs or you can class it as 500 warring tribes. So let us fix that. One agency to replace NHS England, the clinical commissioning groups, the NHS Fraud Agency, the NHS Business Services Authority, the NHS Purchasing and Supply Agency and many more. Let's call it NHS Central. One chief executive to manage the lot. Abolish all these other agencies and quangos and save some money in the much longer term. So many things can be done here to save cash. Remove regional NHS financial academies. Remove the NHS diversity councils, we all know what diversity is now, we do not need to spend lots of money on it now as it is now a given in this day and age. Also, reorder the NHS Business Services Authority. This one is the worst of the lot and all members of staff are utterly incompetent. Management Senior Level I have come across some NHS CEO slash COO slash director slash chief nurse slash chief information officer level managers in my time and one question always gets me and it's this. Why are you in a job as I know dead goldfish who would make a better CEO or COO than you? I know a number of CEOs slash COOs slash CIOs slash directors across all sectors of industry and business and in many different counties too and NHS CEOs are the absolute worst of the very worst. I personally would not employ them or any member of their families to do so much as sweep the car park. Now, most of the people in these posts are in salaries in excess of £150,000 per year. They are not delivering the required level of value for that money. In terms of value, I would struggle to justify paying some of these people minimum wage. When I really want to insult someone I often ask jokingly why their parents did not bother with contraception or abortion. When it comes to senior NHS staff I do not joke when I ask this question. The same goes for police forces but that is another story for another day. So what do we do? Simples, sack them all and replace them with proper managers who actually know how to lead and manage an organization properly. There are enough capable people in the UK labor force to take on these roles, and who can provide and deliver real value. On this subject, we also need to take the same view with non-executive directors and trust governors. I have seen some absolute shockers out there in terms of board directors of NHS trusts. This shouldn't be happening. Indeed, there are some directors and governors and former directors and governors who a, should not be there b, should be in prison c, should be in a mental hospital. 
middle and lower levels. So now let's turn our attention to middle and lower levels of management. Nearly always as poor as senior management but with one big exception, they execute the poor decisions of their seniors. But there are big problems that cannot be fixed by new senior managers. Firstly there are too many managers and middle and lower levels in the NHS, so what we do about that? We have to have a call, sacking the worst will help, but we then have those in pointless jobs such as the carbon manager. As an aside I have never been able to find out or fathom what a carbon manager in an NHS trust does or what value they deliver to a hospital or a patient. Administration and Support The number of times that I have walked up to a hospital reception desk and caught staff either gossiping or talking about what they watched on the telly last night is absolutely insane. Seen huge numbers of other NHS support staff do the same. This not making a contribution to the NHS, a contribution that these staff are paid to deliver. It is time-wasting and not patient-centric. Bullying At all levels also there is a large bullying culture in the NHS. It needs to be got rid of fast. Sack the bullies and do not replace them with new bullies. NHS bullies that bully patients and there are a large number of these that need to be sacked too. Regulatory At a regulatory level for staff, we have the NMC, HCPC and BMA for various members of staff to require to be registered with. Abolish and replace with one organization. Make it easier for this organization to eject errant members of staff from their profession with expediency. Temp and bank staff. Temp staff. One bank agency for the entire country. Every trust and every surgery uses this one channel. This would save millions a year on agency margins some of which are ridiculous. More men. Yes, you read it right the first time. The NHS is split along traditional lines at 75% female at 25% male. Every year it loses an estimated 12% of its female staff in the 21 to 46 age bracket on term leave owing to maternity leave. Some 40% of those never return to work in the NHS. More men would not eradicate this issue but it would undoubtedly help in areas of extremely high pressure. Nurse and Doctor Pay Yes, doctors and nurses need to be paid more. Some research I had access to years ago stated that the biggest reason for nurses doing overtime shifts was to pay off large credit card debts. Not saving for nice things such as buying a house, a car or a good holiday. Paying off debts incurred in the cost of living. But this has to be paid for. So save the easy money elsewhere first. The NHS Business Services Authority. This needs abolition urgently. Too big, too many poorly trained and unqualified staff and very bad management at a senior level. Most processes in this organization are not fit for purpose. I suspect that over £100 million per annum gets wasted here. As for accusing around 50,000 members of the general public of fraud without any evidence and not referring the crime to the police. Worse than pathetic. NHS Fraud Authority has this outfit actually ever got a conviction for fraud and actually delivered any value? Abolish it. Save the money. Part 2, Finance, Procurement, Contracts, Support, Services, IT, Project Management. Let's go in a mixed order here but remember that each of these items needs to reform together and hand in hand with the other. Project Management. Shockingly poor in the NHS I have seen examples of the following. Microsoft PowerPoint being used a project management tool. So-called project managers who a. cannot spell project management and b. 
whose idea of project management is limited to coloring in Excel spreadsheets and nothing more. Absolutely shocking. Overhaul project management with good project managers, an adherence to one methodology and also get a decent project management tool in two. Microsoft PowerPoint and Microsoft Excel are not project management tools. I have heard that there is usually a success event or party at the close of an NHS project, usually paid for by the business, and that these go ahead even if the project is a failure. You just need to look at any major NHS project. They almost always never deliver on time or on budget. IT and computers. NHS IT, or NSHIT as some of us who know it well refer to it. The bane of the NHS for far too long. Systems that are inefficient. Slow and unfit for purpose. Years ago there was an IT modernization program for NSIT called NFIT. It had burned through £10 billion before it was abolished and had not delivered very much. As a former IT guy, I once did the sums on this project. I reckon I could have delivered this in about £1 to £1.5 billion and probably within two years. A total waste of £10 billion. I have heard stories from a number of separate places that there is lots of very expensive IT kits standing idle. This post is being written on a top-of-the-range Microsoft Surface laptop slash tablet. These are about £2,200 new with the pen and the keyboard. Apparently and I have heard this from two completely different places that the NHS has 10,000 of these devices in storage they have been there for quite some time as well. That's £22 million of wasted money. IT contracts for things such as support services are another cause of concern. I once saw an outsourced support team for an NHS trust all drunk in a South London venue and all ignoring emergency on-call pagers. In one case one was in the middle of the dance floor. Ridiculous. In addition, trusts seem to be paying out the top end of the market rate for basic outsourced IT contracts, you know the people who if you call them with a problem with your computer, tell you to switch it off and back on again, yes them. Very big savings could be made. Support services. Administration, facilities, property management, fleet and more are all spectacularly poor and the reason for this is that the NHS has pushed everything down to the lowest bidder see more in the contracts section below. I will however single out hospital cleaning here. Most if not all hospitals subcontract cleaning. Next time you are in a hospital, just take a look at the standard of cleanliness for example, the floors, the walls and the lavatories. Usually all filthy. To be fair it seems to be worse in hospitals in London and the South East than elsewhere in the country. Procurement. The NHS spends billions a year. It wastes a lot of this. More will be said when I talk about contracts but it needs to get a grip on saving money and it needs this fast. NHS supply chain seems to use money rather than spend it. It appears to be from where I look at it no more than a job creation scheme for those who wouldn't get a job in the private sector. Basically, the NHS pays too much money for everything. Contracts Now we move on to contracts, these could be for anything, from security, blue toilet flush, drugs, car park sweeping and cleaning through to big things like new hospitals. I have seen quite a few of these. Lots of the ones I have seen have been well written but the majority are purely awful. For example, a contract where if a hospital runs out of its allocation of say paracetamol it has to buy its next packs at somewhere in the region of 60 pounds a pack. A pack of paracetamol costs 60 pence in the Tesco across the road. I could buy the paracetamol from the manufacturer for a lot less. This soon adds up. 
I know of cases where employment agency contracts have charged over 100% margin to the NHS. On one particular occasion, an NHS trust was charged over £500 for £200 a day IT expert. A contract to build hospitals has seen them inexplicably delayed even though they should all be operational by now some are not open yet. PFI or PPP is another waste of money on contracts. The amount of NHS money effectively down the toilet with nothing to show for it over many years should be a joke, but remember that jokes are supposed to be funny. This is not. When people say the NHS needs more money, well a lot can be saved here. Finance We cannot do justice to a discussion about NHS finances without first addressing the internal market. So let us do just that first. The internal market, what is it and why is it not fit for purpose? I take the view that the internal market in the NHS is one of the roots of all of the NHS's evils. So what does it look like? Everyone in the NHS is or is part of a cost center. Each cost center has to balance its books and ideally make a profit. So how does it work? Let us imagine a pen in a stationary cupboard and then go through the steps. The manager of the stationary cupboard goes and buys some pens for 30 pence each from an external supplier and puts them in a stationary cupboard. A nurse wants a pen to write her notes. She goes to the stationary cupboard manager and asks for a pen. The nurse's cost center is charged for the pen. Usually at a good markup. So the pen has just cost the nurse say one pound. This one pound gets noted in the accounts. The nurse has to find another cost center to charge for something to balance the books of her cost center. The total cost of the pen in NHS finance terms now is £1.30 and this is taken from the £148 billion or so that the NHS receives in cold hard cash from central government and spends every year. Except the £1 that the nurse is charged is air money she did not put the £1 coin down on the table. Only 30 pence of cold hard cash was paid for the pen. Other government departments work in similar ways but they only work internally like this and not externally. If you look at it in a certain way there has to be a stash of cold hard cash where there is actually air money and if there isn't, what has happened to the cash because they did not spend one pound and thirty pence on the pen. So it would appear we have some missing cash. When people say the NHS needs more money, well a lot can be saved here. Let's go back to the main financial arguments. So now we have looked at the internal market we can see where lots of the cash goes. If we abolished the internal market tomorrow and took other steps around staffing, procurement, contracts, support, IT and more. So many people say the NHS needs more money. Maybe it does, but when you are accounting one pound and 30 pence for a 30 pence pen you have a problem. If you have only expended 30 pence then say so. Do not lie and say you spent more money. Fix this problem and then get more money from central government if you need it. I still want to know what happened to the extra one pound. On another point of finance can anyone tell me what an NHS regional finance academy is and what it does? I have an idea that it is a kind of cookery class not of the Jamie Oliver variety but one attended by the likes of Ken Dodd, Lester Piggott and Harry Redknapp. The NHS Business Services Authority and its spending and processes need to be inspected here too. Going around spending money accusing normal everyday people of the crime of fraud is a total waste of money. Let us save a lot of money and reallocate the savings to things that matter. Reorganize NHS finance from the top and nothing will go down the toilet with nothing to show for it. Part 3, Politics Every health secretary ever, 
The NHS needs reform and I am going to deliver it. Nah, the NHS needs you to keep your nose out or deliver something actual like 40 proper new hospitals on time and under budget. These puff pieces cost money, alienate staff and annoy the taxpayer. You see, the taxpayer for the whole isn't concerned about the diversity mix of the staff or the gender pay gap of the hospital that their mom and dad is being treated in. They just want them treated well, looked after and their medical problems sorted. Some years ago an excellent educationalist by the name of Robert Peel wrote a book on political interference in education called Progressively Worse. It contains some right shockers. I bet if someone wrote a book on political interference in the NHS the government would be forced to have to try and block publication to save face. Simple solution. Keep the health secretary very quiet. Especially if his name is cockney rhyming slang for an offensive term to describe a part of the female anatomy. Keep health ministers even quieter as they do not have a clue. Let them cut ribbons and declare a hospital open. Yes but for the love of God do not let them speak to the press or any facet of the media scripted or otherwise. Part 4, In Conclusion I have just spent the last 3,100 words explaining key issues within the NHS and how to fix them. It really just needs someone to read this and take action. And remember next time you complain that the NHS has no money, read this guide on how to save the money, action at first and then request more if it is needed. The NHS cannot continue to bleed the taxpayer dry. In the past, people have been encouraged to stand outside their home and clap for the NHS. Do you really want to celebrate an organization with this many serious faults? Yes, the doctors and nurses do a lot of good but are hamstrung by all the issues listed here. It is completely not difficult to fix the issues I outline here. I could personally probably turn the NHS round in 12 to 18 months. Certainly no more than 18 months. At least the doctors and nurses would get their pay rises. I cannot say that more money would not be needed but at least I would have saved a stack and used the money saved very wisely indeed.